We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing on in Rayad Salihin, we are now on Hadith number 6, still in Book 1. Hadith narrated in Bukhari and Muslim by Abu Ishaq Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. A very, very commonly taught Hadith. And go for it with the translation. Narrated Abu Ishaq said bin Abu Waqas, one of the ten who had been given glad tidings of entry into paradise. The Prophet visited me in my illness, which brought me at death's door in the year of Hajj'u Wada. I said, O Messenger of Allah, you can well see the pain with which I am afflicted, and I am a man of means, and there is none to inherit me except one daughter. Should I give two-thirds of my property in charity? And he said, said, No. I asked him, What about half? He said, No. When I asked, Can I give one-third? He said, Give one-third, and that is still too much. To leave your heirs rich is better than leaving them in poverty, begging from people that you would never incur an expense seeking therewith the pleasure of Allah, but you would be rewarded thereof even for a morsel of food that you put in the mouth of your wife. I said, O Messenger of Allah, would I survive my companions? He said, You will survive them and will do such a deed seeking thereby the pleasure of Allah that would increase your status and reward and prestige. You may survive till the people would derive benefit from you and others would be harmed by you. Allah's Messenger further said, O Allah, complete for my companions their immigration and do not cause them to retract. Sid bin Kula was, however, unfortunate. Allah's Messenger, subhanahu wa ta'ala, laminated his death as he died in Mecca. Okay. Wow. Okay, very good. So, first from the start, um, Saad ibn Abi Waqas, he's one of those big sahabas from the beginning. And so it says right at the beginning that he was one of the ten who'd been given the glad tidings of entry into paradise. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, he names ten people, the Ashara Mubashara. Um, these are ten people who the, the Prophet, peace be upon him, had been informed all the way in the years of Mecca, these people are going to paradise. Which also means that if we watch their actions over the course of their lives, they're going to live the lives of people going to paradise. Okay. Which is a huge thing. Now, looking at it from the perspective, then, of guidance, that it would follow that if the Prophet, peace be upon him, is saying, this person's going to paradise, then we're going to pay extra attention to what this person has to say. Right? Um, we pay attention to all the companions, may Allah be pleased with them, uh, but those who are closest to the Prophet, peace be upon him, and the amount of time spent with him, and how the Prophet seems to regard them, we're going to give more attention to. And then for the few who've been given this status, then we're going to give them extra special attention. Okay. And what's also interesting, this is a side point, is that quite a few of those people, of those ten, were people who Abu Bakr himself did da'wah to bring them into Islam. So we have like the big people, uh, like Omar, like uh, Ali, may Allah be pleased with them, Uthman, may Allah be pleased with him, Abu Bakr himself, and then a number of Abu Bakr's colleagues. Right. And, and that also speaks to just the, the, the importance and power of person-to-person relationships. Okay. It's one thing to hand people a bunch of copies of the Qur'an, which is a good thing. But how do people really learn Islam from you? They learn it from the way you are, from your being. Okay. So we can have the most perfect theology in history, but if our conduct is not different 
than the person next to us, then we're saying the theology is irrelevant, right? Um, if we have the most perfect theology and our conduct is noticeably of a higher standard, then we can make the claim that it's a result of our theology. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And Abu Bakr was a very big example of that. I mean, all of those central companions, uh, Ali was a central example of that, right? Um, of the level uh, of impact that they had on other people just by their being or by their interactions. Okay? So he's narrating this. And so he's dying, uh, what's interpreted from this, uh, before the Hijra. So this is the first 10 years. This is early. Okay? So he's ill. The messenger of Allah visited me in my illness, which became severe in the year of Hajjat al-Wada. But if we look according to that, uh, that part, he's, uh, this is all the way at the end. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's easy to misread some of these points. Uh, but one point to take from this is that, okay, Hajjatul Wada, so this is the farewell pilgrimage. This is maybe six months before the Prophet peace upon him dies, which means what? That almost the entirety of the Quran has been revealed by now. Okay? And another practice that we see, think of how many people are following the Messenger of Allah, and he, when he's finding out they're ill, he's spending time with them. Right? Again, this is another huge point about person-to-person connection. So, for example, you find out someone's ill, at the very least, maybe we might send them a text. Better than that might be sending them an email. Better than that might be to give them a call. But much better is to visit them. Okay? And even better than that is to visit them repeatedly without, uh, without inconveniencing them. Okay? Um, but the point is person-to-person conduct, contact. Okay? So, he said, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, you can see the pain with which I am suffering, and I am a man of means, and there is none to inherit me from me except one daughter. Okay? So, terminal illness. He has wealth, but the wealth is going to, but the way some of these inheritance laws, inheritance laws work, um, he's wondering, you know, how much is his daughter going to get? Systemically, two-thirds goes to your first son. So, I mean, it's, it's, there's a whole setup. It depends on how many daughters, how many sons, and how many other uh, family members are alive, right? Um, but the basic question is, I have all this wealth, and it seems like my daughter's going to get a tiny share. Okay? So he says, should I give two-thirds of my property in charity? Uh, in charity, yeah. right? And so the prophet says, no. A half, no. One-third. He says, give away one-third, and that's still too much. Okay? Meaning two-thirds would then go to the daughter. He said, give away one-third, that is still too much. It is better to leave your heirs well-off than to leave them poor, begging people. Okay? So, so here's another principle. So let's say I'm providing for my family. Okay? And they have rights over me, okay? uh, which includes me taking care of their food, shelter, sustenance, or their food, clothing, shelter. But let's say I'm skimming on that and said I'm giving it to charity, to others, to strangers. That's a contradiction, okay? That if I'm not taking care of my own family, yet I'm taking care of strangers. Okay? This is a point I often have to make to activists who, who are completely sincere, and they're working on their cause, whatever it is, some local cause, some international cause, but it's happening at the cost of dedication to their family. Okay. If that's happening in the general sense, then I suggest something's, something's wrong. Right? Um, because your, your primary activism, your primary service should actually be to your family. Right? 
And then if you have spare time, spare wealth, then you apply it to others. Right. And we kind of see the inverse of in our society. I mean, we have the intense focus on the individual, which is allowing for, for breakdown of family. And it then has other further consequences where our priorities sort of get upside down. Okay. You see this a whole lot with activism and people doing service. They'll skip their own family, take care of others. Okay. That's a contradiction. Okay. For whatever reasons they may do it, different reasons, we still regard them as sincere. So the prophet, peace upon him, saying, it's better to leave your heirs well off than to leave them poor begging people so that they become the hopefully receive charity from other people. Right? Okay. The next big point, you will not expend a thing in charity for the sake of Allah except that you will be rewarded for it. Okay? Even the morsel of food with which you feed your wife. Okay? So I'm getting rewarded for charity okay? that I'm giving to strangers. And that's often what is our motivation. But the Prophet, peace be upon him, is reminding us, um, if you're providing for your family, even though it is your Islamic obligation, you're getting rewarded for that too. Okay. And more than likely, that reward is bigger. Okay. This, is, this is something to, to really, really keep in mind. Again, in the sense of priorities. So one way we're addressing priorities just from what makes sense. I'm taking care of other people's needs, but not taking care of my own family's needs. That doesn't make sense. But if I'm driven by reward, which is not a bad thing, I'm driven by the reward of giving charity to other people because the charity is so huge, you know, 10 to 700 times, 100 times of whatever I've given. But the fulfillment of the act uh, of providing for my family is of higher reward. Okay, so it is higher reward for providing for the family rather than just basic charity. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Okay. Even if you're just giving your wife a morsel of food. Okay. And then he says, Oh, messenger of Allah... Will I survive my companions? He said, if you survive others and accomplish a thing for the sake of Allah, you would gain higher ranking and standing. You will survive them. Your survival will be beneficial to people and harmful to, the, uh, to others, meaning those who are rejecting. And then you will survive others till the people will derive benefit you from you and others will be harmed by you. Okay. So what also is taking place here? He's facing his mortality. And... Think about what thoughts grow through your mind as you feel like your death is near. Okay? You're ready to start close, closing all your books. Okay? Give away whatever wealth you, you have. You know, um, you know, maybe apologize to people and such. But what's the lesson here given from the prophet peace upon him? You're still going to be alive for a long time. Okay? So you should still live as though you're going to be alive for a while. So there's a narration that is attributed sometimes to Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, that's often misunderstood. It's a cool line on its own. Live for this world as though you're going to live forever. Live for the next, year, next world as though you're going to die tomorrow. Okay. Now, what does that sound like it's saying to you? Live for the next world as though you're going to die for tomorrow. Live for this, die tomorrow. Live for this world as though you're going to live forever. So I think in our day and day, we are so consumed with, the here and now, mm -hmm. that we don't think so much of the akhirah, mm -hmm. uh, and we should be living for, like, to we should be living to, inshallah, one day be accepted to Jannah, and, like, uh, be working to be good people. Uh, that way, the first part of Ali's quote is working for the afterlife, while the second aspect is, okay, kind of coming close to mm -hmm. this, okay, so, okay, we are going to die, that's a, a nevel fact, mm -hmm. but we shouldn't be so consumed with the Akhirah, 
that we forget about where we are mm -hmm. right now, mm -hmm. okay, and those around us, mm -hmm. and we should be living for those around us mm -hmm. and ourselves here, because this is still part of that journey, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we shouldn't be so focused on what comes next mm -hmm. with forgetting what's here. It's mm -hmm. two sides of the same coin. So that's exactly how it's commonly understood, which is why I oh, asked, right. and it's not necessarily wrong, okay. but taking it a deeper level, okay. when we're saying live for this world as though you're going to live forever, okay. the point being that, okay, there's some things that if you don't need to get to them now, get to them later. Okay, as though you're going to live forever. And live for the next world as though you're going to die tomorrow, mm -hmm. meaning everything you need to do to be prepared for your, for your afterlife, get that done as quickly as you can. Oh. Right? So, for example, what often we do um, in our communities is that we'll delay Hajj until we're older. Yeah, everyone right? does that. Yeah. And, and the point is, how do you know you're going to live that long? Right? And, and with the way the world is going, you know, it might be that some at some point in the future, the doors to be able to go on Hajj might close, right? Just with the whole geopolitical situation, um, and so all these years I could have gone on Hajj, but I didn't. Right? I'm saying hypothetically, right? right. right? Um, that would be one example, or just you know the general sense that okay, you know I got to really reform myself and improve myself, and when we're young, we keep delaying it, or even today is Thursday. Yeah, I'll start on Monday. Right, because Monday or Sunday is like the beginning of the week, and then Monday comes by. I'll start on January first. January first is just a few weeks away, mm -hmm. right? And then we keep delaying and keep delaying it, and then years go by, mm -hmm. right? And so those things we should give a proper level of urgency for. And other matters, if they aren't truly urgent matters, then don't give them an urgency, right? And so then, how does this relate to this? We even have the teaching that all right, if you feel the if you see the end of the world coming to you while you're planting a tree, then what do you do? You keep planting your tree. Okay. And this is especially a fascinating teaching because when you're planting a tree, the real beneficiaries are going to be way after you die. Right. right? I mean, think of all the trees that are even on this campus. Mm -hmm. Some of those trees were planted very recently as part of the campus renovation. Many of the trees here are especially around the neighborhood. I mean, who knows when they were planted? Uh, they might have been planted a century ago. Right? Um, and so the point is that we are the beneficiaries now of efforts that happened a long time ago, mm -hmm. assuming there are people who planted them. And so likewise, in his case, he's talking about his end-of-life plans regarding his, his inheritance and such. Mm -hmm. okay? And the prophet, peace upon him, is telling him, okay, you're going to outlive a lot of these people. So live accordingly. Because okay? even in terms of his daughter, uh, what we're talking about here potentially is what is she going to inherit? But if he wants, he could give her all of his wealth right now. There's nothing wrong with that, 100%. See what I'm saying? Okay. Um, and so, so let's say your doctor tells you you have a terminal illness. you got six months left to live. Okay. On the one hand, yeah, you should prepare that, all right, I got six months left to live, but you might wind up living for five years. See what I'm saying? Okay. And so the point is that you should also not give up. You should not despair of what dunya you have. Okay. Oh, what time left we have here. Yeah, exactly. So, if you survive others and accomplish a thing for the sake of Allah, you would gain higher ranking and standing if you will survive them. Your survival will be beneficial to people and harmful to those who are enemies. You will survive others till the people derive benefit and others will be harmed by you. So another prayer to make is to keep asking Allah, you know, if it's better for me to stay alive, then keep me alive. If it's better for me uh, that my life ends, then take my life. 
Now, why is that an important outlook? That you and I have been given this one life, and the opportunity is to make the most of it. Okay, we're only instructed to do the fard, okay, which is basically like your prayers, your fasting, things like that, your zakat, your hajj. Um, and we're only instructed to stay away from the haram. Okay? If that's all we did, there's so much more time left in the day for us to decide, do we want to go to the top level of paradise or do we just want to pass and get to the bottom level of paradise? The opportunities get to the top. And so if you were to find that you have another day to live, then use that to get an even higher state in paradise. Okay? If you are to find out that you have one more hour to live, then use that to get to a higher level of paradise. And this is sort of like what we go through in our minds when Ramadan is in the final day, and then now you're in the final hours of That's Ramadan, true, yeah. in the final minutes. 13 days, 10 days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you start getting the sense that, okay, this is about to end, this is about to end. I should right. do more good, people start thinking. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, wow, that's a great, that was a great analogy mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. And so then the last point, uh, the messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, said, O oh Allah, complete for my companions their emigration and do not cause them to retract. And so here, uh, the emigration here, like I mentioned, it looks as though it's referring to the people um, early on uh, but there are those people who, who did not make it over. But then what are we speaking about here? At the very least, we're speaking about people who are fulfilling all of their obligations. Right? Because remember the first hadith that we covered was actions are judged by intentions. Mm-hmm. And if you migrate for the sake of Allah and his messenger, that's what you get rewarded for. Yeah. Right? And so uh, all of um, you know, all of these, uh, the Prophet peace be upon him, is seeking for Allah to make it that all of these people can fulfill everything. Mm-hmm. Right? But there are some who still, uh, uh, some who still died in Mecca, or some people who then came back in and died in Mecca. So what is this whole hadith about? This is about looking at how we are spending our wealth and spending our time, time. In, in, in life. And so some uh, important lessons here. Uh, any questions? Uh, can we talk about the, in more in detail, the, the, the third rule, the two-thirds, mm-hmm. um, in terms of when... A father is dying aesthetically. I know. I know you said it's like case by case. Yeah. But isn't traditionally the saying it is two thirds of your wealth? Or what, so, what's the go so, ahead. so the answers to all those are in Surah Al Nisa. Okay. So in Surah Al Baqarah, about two thirds of the way in Al Baqarah, um, we're taught, you know, that in terms of giving away our wealth, you know, to do it fairly, to do it in an upright right, way, and then it's detailed in Surah Four, Surah Al Nisa. Okay. Right. You know, if you have one son, one daughter, if you have two sons, one daughter, if you have one son, three daughters, so forth and so on. If your wife is alive, if your parents are alive, so forth and so on. So it's, it's really, really fascinating that these are super complex ayahs. And what I find fascinating, and this is a side point, is how complex they are and how compact they are. And they give enough for every single possibility, either in those ayahs or for what you can extract um, from those ayahs, uh, based on the principles you derive from those ayahs. So at this moment, I don't remember what the specifics right, I'll are. Look yeah, back, I'll look yeah, back. yeah. Um, and uh, Ali's quote. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, w- I want that. I want to write it down. Okay. So once again, it's uh, live for the next world, or live for this world as though you'll live forever. Okay. Live for the next world as though you'll die tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Any other questions or thoughts? No, no, this is this okay. was a great one. Okay, we'll stop right here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubi lake.
Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wa akhir da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alamin